Welcome to episode 42 of Special Situation Investing. Today's financial independence episode will focus on housing as one of the three largest spending categories. If you remember from our The Why Behind FI episode, we reviewed the fact that housing, transportation, and food take up the majority of most household budgets. In this episode, we'll focus on housing specifically including multiple different housing arrangements and where those arrangements lead in terms of building wealth or destroying it. According to Statistica.com, 35% of annual incomes are spent on housing. By contrast, and according to the same website, personal savings rates run from the low single digits to recent highs of just over 10%. With those numbers in mind, you can see why housing is such a key component of any FI strategy. The average person can easily double their savings rate by finding creative ways to save on or cash flow their home and in turn take years off their financial independence journey. But before moving any further along in our discussion of housing and FI, let's clarify a few points. To begin, there are any number of reasons that a person might choose the house they live in or choose some alternative to traditional housing. And I'm not going to make value judgments about that in this write-up. I'm looking at housing today through the lens of the person who's actively charting a course to financial independence. And if one takes that path, there are certain things that work and other things that do not. If you don't like the conclusions of this podcast and you aren't trying to achieve FI, then first of all, I don't know why you're listening. And second, that's okay with me. There are any number of ways to live a meaningful and fulfilling life, and not all of them involve cash flowing your home. Now, with that disclaimer out of the way, let's keep moving along. First, in the most basic sense, what is the purpose of a home? I think most would agree that it comes down to shelter and security. If you're secure in your home, are warm in the winter, cool in the summer, and dry when it rains, then your basic needs are met. Now, as I mentioned before, That doesn't mean we all need to go out and buy the most basic A-frame structure we can find and call it good, because there are other considerations to, well, consider. But it is useful to start with basic principles. So we will begin with the premise that housing, in its purest sense, serves the purpose of shelter and security. Now, because you've made it this far, I'll assume that you're both interested in FI and in ways to transform your largest expense into your biggest asset. In its simplest form, the process works like this. You need to move from your home being a giant liability to it being less of a liability, and then on to where it's a savings vehicle, and finally, to where it's an asset that grows your wealth. In an ideal world, you would leap straight from the massive liability phase to the growing asset phase, but that may not be realistic. So we will discuss each of the categories in order, beginning with the giant liability phase first. At this point in the discussion, we're going to reference a quad chart where the bottom row is labeled destroy wealth and the top row is labeled build wealth. The left column is labeled active and the right column is labeled passive. We'll begin our discussion with the bottom left square of the quad chart and work our way around counterclockwise to end up in the top left square. It's worth mentioning here that a transcript of this episode and the chart referenced are available on our Substack page, and we will include a link to the Substack page and that article in the show notes to make it easier for you to follow along. 
With that out of the way, we will now review the chart section by section. So starting out in the destroy wealth and active column, which is the bottom left, uh, we'll spend the least amount of time on these first two because these are not the areas that we want to be in. But uh, for destroying wealth actively, basically you're stretching your budget to overspend on a mortgage or trophy house, and then you're filling it with cars, boats, and toys. I consider this active destruction of wealth because uh, you are taking out a loan, um, a mortgage in this case, to finance the consumption, which means you're digging yourself beyond zero into an, a deep hole. So obviously you don't want to be there. And if you are there, you want to start moving around these quadrants quickly. Uh, moving on to the next one, which is uh, the bottom right quadrant. That's under the destroy wealth uh, row and the passive quadrant. Only difference here is you've got overspend to rent a trophy house. So in this case, uh, the person is still doing the trophy house, still trying to keep up with the Joneses, uh, spending more than they need to, but they aren't doing it with a loan. So at least they're just maybe paycheck to paycheck uh, and they're not um, further indebted. So they can walk away at any time and just be at zero, which is a benefit over being less than zero. Okay, moving on to the last two, and this is where we're going to spend a little bit more time. Now we're getting into the build wealth category. So starting off with building wealth in a way that is passive, and uh, we're talking through the vehicle of your primary home at this point. Passive building of wealth. So the first one I have in this category is you have a reasonable single-family home mortgage. Uh, you're not actively getting ahead, but at least you're building equity. So this is probably where most people in their... I don't know, mid-20s to uh, a little bit later, maybe 40s, 50s in life are at. Um, they took out a mortgage. It's your standard, maybe three-bedroom, two-bath house. They're only spending about a third of their income on the mortgage. Um, they're not crushing it. They're not doing any kind of financial engineering to figure out how to make this thing work better for them. Uh, but at least they are building up equity over time. Uh, and eventually, maybe they get that house paid off uh, and that that's a benefit to them. Also in the passive build wealth category, we've got renting below your means and saving the difference. So renting, not always a bad thing, uh, even when you're trying to move toward FI. A lot of these things are dependent on your own situation. Uh, there's a time and a place to rent if renting is cheaper than buying, and if the place you're renting meets your needs, especially if it's uh, saving you enough that instead of spending that third of your income on housing, you're spending less than that and then you're able to save the difference and roll that into other investments that are getting you ahead on your FI path. Another one in passive and build wealth category uh, is basically doing either of the above with the added benefit of living close to your work or business to save on commute time and cost. We talked about this a lot in the transportation uh, episode that dealt with FI, but uh, if you can save uh, your costs by living close to wherever you work, uh, that is a huge benefit, wherever you work or maybe where you have a business. Living close, maybe commuting by bike, walking, mass transit, uh, not having that second car if you can, uh, those are all ways to uh, save on your expenses, increase the cash flow, go into investments, and shorten that time frame up to your financial independence. So uh, a lot of times we can group these different tactics in our journey toward financial independence. And so one of them is definitely that, have a reasonable mortgage or a reasonable rent level, saving the difference. Then on top of it, living close to where you 
work or where your business is. Uh, a final one uh, in the passive build wealth category is something like a camper, tiny house, van life, etc. So we've seen a lot of this uh, get popular on the internet over the last couple of years, and uh, it is a viable strategy. So if you can save costs and still meet your living needs, um, by all means, go for it. It's not going to work for everybody. You can't probably move a large family into a van and be happy and still uh, thrive in other areas of your life. So this is something that doesn't work for everyone, but cutting costs creatively, um, certainly something that you can do. Uh, a friend of mine, their family um, moved onto a boat at one point uh, and took a trip uh, all over, I think, intercoastal waterways and stuff like that for about a year or two, saved a bunch of money, saw new things, had new experiences, and that definitely was something that was building the wealth um, and additive to other areas of their life as well. If it works for your family situation, that's great. So one thing I'll add before moving on is that this category is best suited to uh, maybe a busy professional or a business owner who is in pursuit of FI, makes a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of spare time. And the key thing there is doesn't have a lot of spare time. Uh, if you don't have extra time, you're working 50, 60, 70, you know, however many hour work weeks, and then you're getting calls when you're not at work that are related to work, then you probably want to look at one of these passive strategies where you're just cost saving and taking those saved costs uh, and putting them into investments. That way you don't have to get distracted from your normal career or work activities that are paying most of the bills um, when a business or a rental or something like that distracts you. So that's what this category is probably best for. The fourth and the final category is that top left one on our quad chart, which is building wealth and active. We'll go over a couple of these individually. Uh, first one that's an example here is you could purchase a multifamily unit, live in one of the units and cash flow the rest. So I think I've got a friend or two that fits into each of these categories as we go through them, but I can think of at least one guy I know who's in that situation, that multifamily unit, renting out different units. He and his wife live in one of them. Uh, and then they're more than covering their mortgage and debt on the property, basically living for free. A lot of people refer to this as house hacking. So this is an active way to build wealth uh, via some intelligent uh, setting up of your housing situation. Another one in that category, you could purchase a multi-use property and run a business from the property. So this is getting a little bit more creative. Uh, maybe you have a piece of land where you could do a greenhouse or livestock, or you could have additional rentals on the property, tiny homes, camping areas, RV hookups, maybe storage or parking, that type of thing. Thinking creatively there. Uh, I know at least one of the guys that I know has a fairly large property. He lives on it, uh, has a business that more than pays for the house and the property, uh, which is he's got a bunch of greenhouses set up. And he sells um, exotic plants, basically, um, to all these people that are hobbyists in that field and interested in buying the buying the plant. So, has a business that's run right off of his property, and now he not only lives there, but the business pays for um, his living expenses and then some. Okay, another one: buy and subdivide a lot or property. Pretty straightforward here. It takes a little bit of extra work. So again, this is an active strategy. But if you can find a property with a house on it, it's got an extra lot attached. Maybe that went unnoticed 
to realtors or other people who are looking to purchase the property. Uh, you buy it, put a fence up down the middle, maybe build a house on the other property, sell it, um, and now you've paid for that uh, piece of land that you live in. Another one, you could buy, improve, and flip property. So for this one, you might want a little bit of expertise, but if you're handy, you know how to do home improvements, you know how to add value to a property, uh, then go ahead and you know follow this strategy where you're buying stuff, making the additions that add value to it, uh, make it better living situation for you, uh, and then you're eventually flipping it, selling it to somebody else who appreciates all those additions that you made. Another one could be buy cash without realtors or inspections and use the before tax savings to invest in other assets strategy that I've used before. So you buy the house uh, cash only, uh, saves a lot of cost. You don't have funding fees for loans. You don't have to worry about down payments just to get rid of PMI. Uh, you might be able to bypass things like uh, realtors if you know the people that you're buying or selling the house uh, from. And uh, maybe you can forego inspections and whatnot. So you can bring the cost of the purchase down significantly. And then the other way to think about this as a savings method is uh, normally a person who pays for their rent or for their mortgage has to earn the money to pay for the rent or mortgage. And of course, they're paying tax on the money that they earn to pay the mortgage. So if your rent is $2,000 a month, you might have to earn $2,200 per month just to be able to pay the tax on the $2,000 uh, and then pay off the mortgage or the rent. Uh, if you pay cash for a house, then you don't even have to earn the money to go into the property. Uh, so if you're still earning the money, you can go straight to investments or you could take a job that pays you a little bit less uh, and still come out ahead because the housing is paid for. All right. Uh, this category is best suited to someone with free time and most likely in a low-paying job that doesn't demand their attention outside of work hours. So think hourly worker with free time away from their job. And these hard, hard and fast rules, um, you might be a person who is very busy and low-paid, although I think if that's the case, you should probably reevaluate what you're doing. Maybe it's a labor of love, so you just enjoy doing it. But if you're low-paid and extremely busy, maybe you want to work into uh, low paid and not so busy. So you can devote time to these other pursuits that are going to actively move you towards financial independence or move into a job that, yeah, it's busy, but it pays, um, quite a bit so that you can actually accelerate your savings and get yourself to financial independence faster. Uh, another thing worth talking about on this one is the tax exemptions and benefits that work in your favor. So, to the extent you are purchasing owner-occupied real estate, there are a lot of uh, benefits in the tax code that exist that you can take advantage of. So, uh, for example, flipping a house, if you move into it, you do your improvements, uh, you build up equity in the house, and then you wait more than two years before you sell it, then you can sell that house as owner-occupied, uh, generally not pay an income tax on it. And again, that's just another boost to your savings that's going to get you on the road to financial independence. So that's kind of the general uh, gist of those categories on the quad chart. Uh, jumping back into the mainline narrative here, after going through those categories, I want to emphasize that you not confuse real estate-based businesses with the categories in the chart above. Uh, the purpose of the chart is to categorize the ways in which you can further your FI goals through your primary residence rather than let it drag you down. 
The main idea is to find a housing situation that meets your security and shelter needs, and then either save as much as possible on housing or turn your house into a cash-flowing business of some sort. Your house doesn't have to be the cheapest one available. If you can find your dream home and you have to pay up for it, that's okay, provided it cash flows and moves you closer to your FI goal. Go ahead and buy a beautiful multifamily home by the beach. If the cash flow equation works out, just don't buy up, just don't pay up for that glamorous beach house if its only purpose is to inflate your ego while draining your bank account. Again, deciding between the active or passive route to building wealth is largely determined by the amount of free time you have. If you're a high-paid professional spending 60 hours per week or more on the job, then the passive route may be the best path for you. On the other hand, if you're making less money at an hourly job and have plenty of free time, taking the active path to wealth building may be a viable way to accelerate your FI timeline. Hopefully the construct presented in this episode will help you frame your biggest budget item in a new way and allow you to save uh, and allow you to move your housing situation from liability to asset and eventually to financial independence. Simply shifting perspective on your largest expense can lead you to spin up a savings and cash flow flywheel that will further propel you towards FI. And that's what it comes down to. A lot of the stuff is just a matter of shifting your thinking. Uh, if you can think of your own personal finances as a business and you're the COO or the CFO of that business, you're looking at how to maximize uh, the operations, the finances of your business such that you achieve, achieve financial independence uh, at the earliest, then that's what you're going to want to do. Uh, and you're going to see things through a new light instead of buying uh, a house and thinking of it purely in terms of uh, what do most people do, what are keeping up with the Joneses, uh, how do I make this an ego thing or a status symbol? Maybe you turn it into how do I take this and turn it into an instrument or a tool to further advance my financial independence goals. So as I said, a lot of it is just a simple mindset shift, get creative uh, and think about ways to turn all these normal things into an advantage and preferably an advantage in many ways. Um, like we talked about before with transportation, uh, if you can bike instead of drive a car all the time or even some of the time, you get these compounding benefits where you benefit yourself financially, you benefit your health, you improve your mood. Uh, same thing could be said potentially for the house, where instead of the house being a drag, it becomes something that's exciting, that helps teach you about business, uh, that helps further your goals, um, and that you know furthers you along the path that you're on. So with that, that's episode 42, a financial independence episode focused on housing. Hope you learned something, and uh, we'll see you again soon with probably another uh, investment write-up.